Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome to Everything is Fine. Things feel so not fine all the time these <laughs> days, but uh, this is our podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts, Talia Bacassis and Kim France. Our guest today is Glennis McNichol. Glennis is a writer and the author of No One Tells You This, a memoir. Her writing has appeared in print and online for publications including The New York Times, The Guardian, The Cut, and many, many more. And she wrote several articles about being alone and more importantly, being happily alone that basically went viral in mine and Kim's circles. Um, hi, Glennis. <laughs> hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So one of the New York Times articles you wrote was titled, I'm in my 40s, child free and happy. Why won't anyone believe me? Which is the funniest title ever. And also more or less the thesis of your book. So mm -hmm. tell us a bit about that dilemma. I felt like I'm now 45, so these questions that were um, really plaguing me as I turned 40 seem less intense now. And part of that is just having worked through them, I think. But I just remember right around that age, I was enjoying my life so much. And everyone I encountered, whether it be like a dinner party, um, as was the case for that Times article, or like a wedding would talk to me with a sense of pity and also encouragement. Like, don't worry. Don't worry. There's still You'll time. Find someone. Right. Right. Don't worry. You might still be. And I would be like, I'm not worried. And I'm actually quite enjoying myself. But it's such a tricky conversation to have because you inevitably sound defensive. Like, mm. I'm not worried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then everyone's like, no, it's okay. And you're like, but I'm fine. And it's such, it felt really frustrating to me that nobody would just take my word for it, that it was something I had to convince people of. Whereas had I been married or had I had children, it would have been, whether or not I was actually happy, it would have been a given, <laughs> right? Like, like people felt, basically think there was a void in your life. Like that was the assumption. 
absolutely. I was lacking something. I couldn't possibly be happy. Like, obviously, when someone starts a, a conversation with you by telling you not to worry, there's still time. There's this, like, <laughs> implicit assumption that, like, there's a huge thing missing in your life that you're obviously waiting for. Uh, so that was the premise of that, that first times piece. I, I mean, you don't write the, t- the headlines for, obviously, articles, but I do recall also being amused by that headline. <laughs> hmm Because it also points to the idea of women having it all and that maybe you didn't have the all that was right. the sort of pinnacle thing that all women should desire. I think the opening of that piece was I was at, oh, remember restaurants, like I was out at a <laughs> dinner at, in Soho <gasps> eating the most like have with a martini or a glass of champagne eating the most delicious steak, like having just this really wonderful evening and sitting next to an older gentleman who was like, your life is so terrible. And I was looking around thinking like, it's so gaslighty in a way. I was like, I just come back to Paris or I was going to Paris. Like I was like, what about my life exactly strikes you as so terrible? Like it was such a disconnect between the evidence as it presented itself and the response when the person I was speaking with discovered I, you know, was single or didn't have children. So just the divide between reality and perception was so huge in that moment. Well, it's such an old fashioned way of looking at things. That still permeates so much of our narrative. I think this is shifting slowly, but it still permeates a lot of narratives, right? This very narrow narratives for women's lives and what's satisfying that are crumbling around us as we speak in this moment, but have definitely held fast for many centuries. Something you wrote in your Times piece really struck me because I'm 56 and divorced and and pretty happy on my own. Mm -hmm. You wrote, um, to be single and without children after a certain age is to disappear off the cultural map. There is no roadmap for women like us who are over 40 and unmarried and childless. So how do we create one for ourselves? When I published the book, I heard from, not overwhelmingly, but on a fairly regular basis from women who would say, do you think you're the first woman to not get married and not have children? And I'd be like, no, I what? don't. Everybody has a happy aunt somewhere they wanted to tell me about. <laughs> and I was like, I am the happy aunt. But um, I just, I would say like, there's no cultural narratives. There's no, like what cultural narrative can you point to that suggests women could be living fulfilling, exciting, joyful lives after a certain age? Even in marriage, they're pretty limited. But I think the answer is with so much and so much of what's going on right now is more stories, more narratives, more, more, more options, but more like I have endless options. And so many women I know have options, but we don't, it's like that old saying, you can't be what you can't see. Like we don't, Mm. it feels overwhelming because the blueprint doesn't exist. And what is a blueprint or a map or anything. It's a narrative. It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's how you start from here and get to there. And when we don't have those narratives uh, in, a, in a public, recognizable way, it feels overwhelming and like that you're in a no-man's land. And so women couldn't get credit cards or bank accounts in their own name till 1974. So much of the life I'm living is facilitated by my ability to achieve financial independence such mm. as it is in this moment <laughs> as a writer. <laughs> but like, still, I live in my own apartment. I, like, I can do all these things and manage my own life in ways that my grandmother definitely couldn't. And my mother certainly was limited. And 
the narratives are still struggling to catch up to that reality, you know? That's for only 45 years, so we've got centuries of narratives and only 45 years of this sort of way of living being accessible by more than elite wealthy women. Right. When you say we need to see all the narratives, it also makes me think just about all the discussions about representation that are happening right mm -hmm. now. Like basically that argument that you can't be what you can't see is true in so many areas, you know? Completely. I, you know, there's a chapter in the book and also a piece I wrote for The Guardian years ago. I was on the road, I was on a cross-country road trip in 2015, and I left at the same time that Sandra Bland was on the road. And so the story of Sandra Bland's uh, death was in the news cycle as I was driving across. And these Sorry, can you remind people what, who Sandra Bland is in case they don't know? Sandra Bland was a black woman who died in police custody after being pulled over for making a turn it was said without signaling and evidence of the way black people in this country aren't allowed to exist on the road in you know, aren't allowed to exist in all the ways we're seeing right now in that particular moment the point of that is, is that I was so aware in that moment of like the limited narratives we have of white women on the road as largely Thelma and Louise who drive off a cliff <laughs> in the end. Yeah. But if that narrative is limited, and that's never been my experience. I've driven across the country, I don't like 15 times probably at this point. And I've never driven off a cliff. <laughs> I've never yet driven <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, but if that it felt limiting to me, the narratives we have around black people on the road in America are almost exclusively limited to to slave escape narratives and uh, criminal, as we've seen endlessly in the last few months. And so the absence of understanding the ways we actually live versus the ways we are represented as living have repercussions that are deadly in many cases. And in my case, we're just, you know, felt suffocating. As a childless woman, child, child free woman, Rather, yeah. I have found something, and I wonder if you have found that too. My friends who are mothers will confess all of their parenting failures to me. Oh. You're like a confessional, constantly, relentless. And that to me, Kim was like, once that started happening, and I was both in public being like an object of pity and in private having being the, the recipient of all of these confessions that that I wasn't seeing anywhere else like the disconnect between that was overwhelming too and I thought how s there's so much shame attached to mothering it's so punished there's so much shame attached to being a woman basically from birth until you disappear off the magazine rack but <laughs> like I was so aware of all of the struggles the women in my life who are mothers were going through and then I wasn't seeing any of those struggles reflected you know culturally either i think that's changing too but wait mm -hmm. i need to backtrack a second what are they doing i i'm not familiar with this phenomenon i have two kids what mm -hmm. like, kim do i do that to you no you do not do that to me but i have had friends <laughs> confess to me that they are not bonding with their newborn i've had friends confess oh. that they wish they had never had a child that's it yeah. They oh, 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 I see. They, they feel that you're lives. the safe person. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes. the safe person because I'm, I don't have kids. I'm not yeah, going to judge no judgment. Oh, okay, so you're not going to judge them if they hate it. Right. Also, I oh. think what I began to understand is that same with everyone, same with myself. You hate your life sometimes and you love your life sometimes in equal measure. Hopefully you love it like 65 to 75% of the time seems like an <laughs> ideal level of existence and realistic realistic it's just that in my experience mothers don't have the I think this is changing too but like there's so much shame attached to it and guilt that 
they didn't actually hate their life. They hated their lives on that day or that month or those six months or, right. you know, when the baby wasn't latching or the baby wasn't sleeping. This idea that women without children don't know anything about childbearing to me is also <laughs> so amusing. I'm like, I could teach a class now in breastfeeding. <laughs> like, I know how to sleep train. I, I can talk about New York City private schools forever. Oh, my God. The application process. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> That phrase of like, you don't have kids, you get to go to brunch. I'm like, who am I going to brunch with? I'm going to like, I'm going over to someone's house with children. And like 90% of the conversation for the first five years is literally some version of diapers, breastfeeding, sleep training. I often have these conversations with women who are at the beginning of having all their friends have small children and you can, it can feel very like they've forgotten about me or nothing I do matters. And I kind of think, you know, Anne Friedman and Amina Tussauer are coming out with a book next week called Big Friendship that I that really talks about friendship as like a primary relationship, which I think is really important. Many of my friendships date back to my teen years, my early 20s. And I've come to realize that much like a marriage, they have their ups and their downs and that there were years there where really, I did just have to listen to this. And then you don't realize, but women come out the other side when their kids start school and they're so lonely and desperate for you that you become like the (laughs) most wanted person in everyone's life and that they come in waves. But I think we don't tend to talk about friendship in those terms and we should, particularly as Mm -hmm. women get married later and later and your primary relationships for so long are your friends. Now that I think about it, a lot of my close friends don't have kids. Maybe the reason why that is is because I enjoy not having to talk about my kids. It definitely shifts. There definitely comes a point where everyone stops wanting to talk about their kids. But I I do remember uh, when I was writing the book, somebody said, do you want to talk about how lonely the holidays can be when everyone goes to their family? And I was like, I don't know what your experience is, but I people are trying to book me for their holidays like six months in advance because they're so eager to have I am fresh blood in the mix they're like did i get you early enough for thanksgiving it's may and i'm like sure that's what i'm finding so extraordinarily difficult about this moment is i'm used to being involved in so many families that huh. the inability that my lack of access to that is the is the isolating thing it's not being home alone in my apartment which i enjoy it's all of my support systems all of the kids I'm used to seeing every week or so or the dinners the homes that I go to dinner or the places I travel to like all of those are restricted to me now and that feels punishing in ways that I was not prepared for do you ever wonder like sometimes I wonder who's going to be there when I'm old but do you here's what I think having seen this gone down enough the expectation that it's going to be your children feels like, <laughs> like I don't know. know. Good luck with that. Like, I think by the time that, I mean, hopefully I get to age 80 or whatever, and we're still living on a planet that functions. Like, these all feel like real questions at this moment. But <laughs> I also think by the time we get there, the life that I'm leading or that we're leading will have facilitated answers to that question because it's not the guardians writing a whole series this week like not having kids or or not being married is becoming the norm in ways that inevitably are going to result in caretaking measures down the line i already have so many friends who are like how do we invest in this 
house in France together as our long-term plan. Like these are conversations that are not jokes. These are conversations that are beginning to come up on a regular basis. How do we all invest together? And how do we facilitate this like support system into the next phase? So I kind of think the market resolves itself. I also think having children as a support system for age is like risky business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've done a really good job of building a community for yourself. Has that been something that's conscious? Because it sounds like you really have a very fulsome support system. I do. I do. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm good at friendship. Not so good at long-term romantic relationships, but exceptionally good at long-term friendships, which again would be frustrating to me when people would say like, oh, you're, you're not settling down or you're a commitment phobe. And I think, I don't know, like I look around and I see all around me long-term investments. It's just that I've chosen differently what those look like. So I do have support systems and I've traveled so much in the last five years that those support systems exist We're going to take a quick break for some ads. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it. Do it. 
<laughs> okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. Welcome back to Everything is Fine. Why do you think there continues to be so much discomfort around believing that women on their own can lead happy and fulfilling and full lives? Well, I think a lot of things. <laughs> I, think, um, I think we don't, when I say we, who's been the narrator of all of history and most stories? It's, it's men, right? Like it's, I remember when everybody was all up in arms about selfies and it was so vain about all these girls taking selfies and I was in Rome and I was in the um, Vatican and there was a hall of like 100 busts, all of men. And I was like, well, this is the original selfie. Like, I don't know why we're so up in arms about women taking pictures of themselves. But I do not think we are comfortable with the idea of women on their own because I think a woman on her own past a certain age, I feel extremely powerful. And it's like, how do we interpret that power we see it as witches or hags or like danger we see it as as dangerous because we're existing outside of a essentially a patriarchal system and the fact that chant lock her up still exists you know who are mm. we locking up we're not locking up like that that coincides with this emergence of women as a not just as a candidate for president but as like a powerful powerful voting block outside of sort of the traditional soccer mom voting block like we do not like women being in control of their own lives, right? We do not want women. Our narratives for women are always have women attached to something. It's either their marriage mm -hmm. or their children. They're in service to something else. And to be outside of that service is to live with the idea of being selfish, spoiled. I mean, I wrote Lizzie Skernick came out with an essay collection called Pretty Bitches and had a series of women pick the word that was always applied to them and write an essay about it. And mine was lucky because people will, in the last few years would always be like, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, what's, this, what's so lucky? Like, I work so hard. I've made really serious choices. It wasn't luck that bought me this plane ticket. It was like, like real determined work. And if I was a man, you would be like, wow, all your hard work really paid off. But as a woman, it's lucky. <laughs> like, we do not like to attribute to women the idea of power and control outside of a family narrative. And who does that benefit? When someone says, oh, the question I got asked on book tour all the time was, how do you eat by yourself? <laughs> I was like, how do I eat by myself? Oh God, like, I would love to eat by myself. Exactly. I was like, this is how I know my life is a success is because I can <laughs> eat by myself. Like, what are you talking about? And I'd say, well, what is your issue? And they'd say, well, I feel so ashamed. I feel like there's something wrong with me. And like, people are staring oh. at me. Or you remember that story a few years ago about the Upper East Side restaurant where women couldn't eat alone yes. at the bar because they thought they were prostitutes. Like, we attach danger and shame to women alone. When we talk about narratives of satisfaction or happiness, all of those narratives are attached to women in service to something. It's so interesting when you said that about how women refer to themselves as lucky. And I think yeah. part of it is all, I mean, because I've done that. I've done that mm -hmm. a million times. And Wait, about yourself or somebody else? Uh, no, about myself. Like, I got lucky. Uh -huh. I got that job because I got lucky. I was just in the right place at the right time. And mm. it seems to me that a lot of that attitude about keeping women in a place is coming from women as well. Because they're... Oh, 
men have never said that to me. I don't actually think men care what women do unless it inter like women, they care about what women do as a group, but individually, unless it affects their lives directly, it's not like men are like, oh, you're so lucky God's fair. So they could care less what I'm doing. It's, it's all, it's almost, it's a lot of times women. Why do you think mm-hmm. that is? I just watched um, Little Fires Everywhere. I haven't read the book, but I just watched the series the mm-hmm. other day. There was a line where uh, Carrie Washington character says to Reese Witherspoon, who Reese Witherspoon is playing the very Reese Witherspoon white woman, mother of four. What it is about my life that reminds you of all the things you didn't do that makes you so angry. Hmm. And the narratives of happiness we give to women are false. And if you have bought into them and bought into them sounds maybe too cynical but if if that is your choice and you've been every single thing in the world has promised you satisfaction joy success and you hit 45 and well lo and behold actually this is really freaking hard i mean ada calhoun's book why we can't sleep tapped into that a bit i think uh i think you know you look at me and you think wow, you escaped all this as if someone, as if there was like a lotto and I picked the good card. It's so fascinating to have gone from your 30s where everyone's like, poor you, poor you, no kids, no husband, to your mid 40s where I'm an object of envy and resentment that it's such like a head switch all of a sudden where I'm like, no one prepares you to be an object of envy at the age of 45. And that was overwhelming. And I think it's all of it is of a piece in the sense of like the narratives we have about women's lives are not fair. I have never felt like an object of envy until quarantine. Oh, I mean, it's intense mm-hmm. right now. I have enormous sympathy for people. I, I, I think I wrote this somewhere and we're like, we're all living the most extreme versions of our lives right now. You know, yeah. I did not sign up to be this alone. And, yeah. and I did not sign up to be this married with like, I did not yes. sign up to be with these people 24 seven. I feel like everyone's going to come out of this and there'll be a lot of divorces and a lot of people in my position where you're like the extraordinary isolation and I like being by myself it is reached I mean I haven't touched another person in four months like that's really very extreme but we are all getting an extreme version of it so like I feel like some corrections gonna happen where a bunch of people get married and a bunch of people get divorced <laughs> depending on how extreme your version of isolation was I think it's true I'm considering getting up and leaving my family after this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I also, I recognized when we talk about lucky, like luck in terms of I was born into a country and a family that allowed me access to education. I am white. Like I think a lot about the line willing to be lucky in terms of New York City. Like I love New York so much, but my ability to be lucky here is very tied to the fact I'm white and have a certain level of education. But beyond that sort of luck, like I am extremely lucky to have been the person I am born in the time I'm born, right? Like imagine if I'd been born a hundred years ago, like that would have been Mm. excruciating. So I was so aware because I have friends who who are in similar lifestyles, mine, and do not love their life as much as I do or who do not feel quite as fortunate to have been like, thank God I was born in the exact moment I was born in so I could take all the advantage of this place that I'm in. That's true of me. It's not true of everyone. Plenty of women want to be married with kids and aren't. And I'm sensitive to that too. And I think if you're sad about that, you have every right to be sad about that. Hmm. I'd be freaking sad if I was married with kids. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) You said in your 40s, you have less time for other people's opinion. So how did you get there? Clearly. (laughs) 
I think that's just part of the benefit of age. Don't like. I also think that's one of the reasons we're a little scared of women as they get older because yeah. they untie themselves from expectations that keep them in line. It's that 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 phrase. Uh, don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, I, giving less yeah. fucks. There came a point where I just had to be like, I'm choosing this life. Like, this life was not something that happened to me or something like I'm doing while I'm waiting for something better to come along. Like, I actively there was a point where I was like, no, I'm actively choosing this life. Like it's not an accident. I have this life. And once I think you choose your life, maybe other people's opinions of it don't matter. At the same time, the flip side of never seeing yourself reflected in the culture is (laughs) like, there is a, some freedom that comes with that, right? There is some release of expectation because no one expects anything from you. But here's, mm-hmm. but here's my question. How about people who didn't choose this life? Who's, who, exactly. Who, who the, the life chose them? You know, they, a marriage didn't work out or they just never right. had the right person, didn't want to have kids on their own. Right. That's true in any lifestyle though, right? Like there's plenty of people who are married with children who didn't necessarily choose that right? There's plenty of examples of people living lives that they didn't choose because things didn't work out. I think because we don't have versions of what a life outside of marriage and kids looks like, there's an extra level of shame and isolation attached to that existence. That if you could look into the world, like when you're in an unhappy marriage or exhausted by your children, there's like increasingly... I mean, what's Pamela Adlin's show called? Better Things? Yeah. Love that show so much. Yeah, me too. But yeah. And I just think like you don't have to love your life choices and maybe they weren't the choices. Maybe you didn't want to be married and with a kid at age 22 and that's just the way it happened. But you do have the advantage of looking or maybe you didn't want to be a single mother Maybe you made all the right choices and they didn't work out, but there are versions of your existence in the world that you can look to for comfort and guidance. And maybe it's just comfort. Like you're not alone in this. Here's this show. Here's this movie. Here's the ways women have coped. We recognize you in the world. The culture recognizes you. And I think when you are a person for whom things haven't worked out and you find yourself alone, there's no ritual around your life and ritual is just recognition like there's no recognizing you in the world except as a sad pitiful creature and that i think adds an extra layer of punishment yeah to what might already feel difficult my fear is that because i don't have kids i don't have what i call an ambient selflessness mm-hmm. and i worry That's an interesting phrase i worry about becoming too self-involved i why think women never get to be self-involved i think if you're going to be self-involved just go for it like just go for it why shouldn't like i just think why is that a concern i would doubt if you're concerned about that it's actually the truth i actually think when you don't have kids this moment is an exception but like i have varying responsibilities to varying families and I was the primary caretaker of my mother as she was dying and like I have responsibilities to lots of children and organizations and like during this pandemic I'm by like at a food bank three times a week like there's lots of ways to be a functioning person in the world how you choose it but like also why be self-involved as you want like how many women in history have ever got to be self-involved good for you go for it <laughs> well i think at, at a certain point it's it's not it doesn't make you the most appealing person and 
I just I don't think children are the answer to that. But okay, sorry. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Children may not be the answer to that. I just I have this very clear memory of being in Paris with my brother and his family. And mm-hmm. my nephew, who was probably about five at the time, wanted to see the Eiffel Tower, wanted to go to the top. And my brother went and waited online with him for three hours to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower. He had no desire to do this, but he just did it. And there's a kind of putting someone else before you. Like, great, I don't have to put anyone else before me. But I also think that there's something that hamstrings you a little. I don't know if that's the word I mean. Yeah. There's plenty of ways to put other people before you. And you probably are doing that in areas of your life that are less recognized than parenthood. Because that's the one we like to... That's almost always women. We rarely. Yeah, really you put your mom very like very forwards in your life. Well, that's true. Men are never, ever, ever raised culturally or expected to put anyone else before them, and that's a problem that we're suffering from. But women are only expected to put people before them, and the idea that that's so true. Yeah, it is like, true. That you are not a full person for not every day putting someone else's needs before you. Let me tell you, I like, <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Like, what that thinking to me is very ingrained in how women are raised to think of themselves as less than worthy of the full attention of the world. And I don't ever want to stand in line for three hours for the Eiffel Tower for anyone. I mean, like, <laughs> c- including somebody I'd I, I be married to. Like, n- goodbye, go, hello, have a nice time. Like, I just, that thinking is so something I'm extremely grateful to not, which is not to say you don't have selfless acts or you don't, like, are, are not, like, a selfless support system, but just thinking, like, I'm not a full person for having to do that on a regular basis is not part of my thinking about my life. I'm mostly, as I get older, grateful. You have built a very fabulous life for yourself, I have to say. I agree. And I always, though, like to flesh out that part of that is that I have a high tolerance for risk. Mm. I have a high tolerance for an empty bank account is the truth. Mm -hmm. And that I like to point that out to people because um, that's not for everyone. And in this moment, I'm questioning my high tolerance, whether that's... I'm like, wow, what is going to happen to me in the next year? Wait, can I, there's something, like, we've talked a lot about being childless, Mm -hmm. but what about the being partnerless? Oh, I don't even think about it. I feel like there was some judgment in that question, and I definitely didn't mean that. It's It's more like exploring the feelings. No, I'm, I'm so sensitive to this, too, because I'm aware of, like, my mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia in my mid-30s. So by the time I got into my late 30s, any family holiday was focused on caretaking and also she was not aware of my life right she right. Her, her memory went so there was no I missed out on a lot of the conversations that women have to face when they go home about well have you met someone what's going on like that that was there was an absence of that in my late 30s which I think is very difficult for many women who in their families. And I remember a woman came up to me at a book reading and said, uh, my father told my sister and I, if we weren't married by 40, he would disown both of us. And I was like, wow. So like, there's family considerations here that I didn't experience. 
I'm trying to think if I've ever gone to a dinner party where anyone ever made me feel bad about being single. I don't have friends that make me feel bad about my life. And I don't know if that's unusual, but I, I definitely, the second question I got the most was, how do I make friends like the ones you have? And I just thought, well, my friend, friendships are two decades old, so they've been through severe ups and downs. But the idea of keeping people in my life who make me feel bad about my life is really, like, I, I, can't, I can't conceive of that. So mm. I always think there are two types of people in the world. There's hosts and there's guests. And I, I'm a guest, not a host. So I'm a good guest. So I'm always invited places. And I'm always like, great, someone else is cooking for me. I can't cook anyway. I don't actually think about whether I'm bringing someone or not. And to a we- I don't know. I'm trying to think of the last wedding I went to. The last wedding I went to um, was a friend of mine who actually, as her wedding speech, quoted my book about <laughs> getting married as part of her wedding (laughs) that's funny and the people i went with had all left their husbands at home and were so excited to be by themselves (laughs) that it was like it was it was the like the antithesis of like oh here's my husband who are you with everybody was like oh my god i'm away for three days i don't have Mm -hmm. to talk to anyone it was such a like reverse of um that experience so i don't know i this is not the same for everyone, but I think the fact it's like this for me bears some acknowledgement just as a possibility. Like, why should you be making your friends feel bad? Right. Well, I'd like to have you over to dinner party when there's a dinner party. Please. Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, you sound like the perfect guest. I can't cook, but I always bring really good wine and cheese and some conversation. Amazing. So we have a new feature where we ask our guests at the end for their mm-hmm. must-have beauty product. Be- and oh. Kim, I haven't told you, but the feedback on this new feature is really... <laughs> Everyone <laughs> really? wants a beauty product. People <laughs> love it. I keep getting DMs on Instagram where people are like, I love the product, Rex. It's hysterical. So what's your beauty product recommendation for like one thing that you absolutely love? My number one, it's, um, it's called Patika Night oil it was a night oil that was there's a city pharma is the big famous pharmacy in paris and i remember i went in and i was pulling something off the shelf and one of the um attendants who worked there and they know everything came up and she goes no 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 this is for old women this is not for you come with me and i was like sold (laughs) yeah really (laughs) she walks me over to a brand i'd never heard of which is patika and i have had the same skincare routine for years i'm not somebody who asks for recommendations or anything but she gave me this night oil instead of moisturizer and it was a game changer and i'm a virgo with very few virgo tendencies but i do tend to stock up and thank god i stocked up on thank god like that's the biggest concern but uh (laughs) i stocked up on it the last time i was when i was there over the summer and um it's still getting me through. It's called Patika Night Oil. It is expensive, but it lasts like six to nine months. Is there anything okay. better than a European pharmacy? No. Well, Shoppers Drug Mart in Canada, I, having grown up with Shoppers, which is the Canadian drugstore, um, like my sunblock is umbrella because American FDA rules. Yeah. The sunblock in the States is terrible. So I always buy it when I go home because they're closer to European standards. But no, there's nothing better than a French pharmacy. There's nothing. It's just a happy place. So, Glynis, how should people find you? They can find me on the website, glynismcnichol.com, or my Instagram is, for the book, is no one tells you this. Thank you so much. This was Thank so you. interesting. Thank you. This is great. This is so fun. I want to do this every day so I can get my brain working instead of just <laughs> sitting here by myself, staring at the hawks out my window. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Thanks so much for listening. Everything is fine. We are your hosts, Talia Bacassis and Kim France. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell your friends. 
If you have a suggestion for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is EIF Podcast, and you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.